0: Good morning! morning. I always thought God would be taller. (laughs) It is good to be with you today at TVA. If you're a visitor, we are here to welcome you. And most of what I say today won't really have much of an impact or an application to you, so you can leave now. Uh, But we're just thankful that you are here, because we're beginning a new series today called Things You Will Never Hear in Church, and it's my job to introduce uh, the series. Now I can't tell you some of the things that your pastors have decided not to share, but Ashley knows. But there are a couple things that, uh, that we are going to share over the next uh, three or four weeks, things you never hear in church. Uh, these are not the topics, but there are things like this. These are the top ten things you never hear in church. Item number ten, yippee, it's my turn to sit in the front row. Well, thanks to you that do, but you notice when you come in, we always have the back four rows buckled off. Some of you, that doesn't bother you at all. You just move the buckle and sit right there. Number nine, your message was so interesting, I never even noticed that you went 25 minutes over. You'll never hear that in church. Number eight, forget the denomination's minimum salary. Let's pay our pastors so they can live like we do. Hooray, all the pastor's wives are screaming and cheering at that one. Yay. Number seven, I love standing for 30 minutes to sing songs I don't know. Brian, that's for you, baby. (laughs) Number six, I've decided to give our church the $500 a month I used to send to TV preachers. If any of you are sending money to TV preachers, I would encourage you probably not to do that, but you're not going to hear that in church from me. Number five, I'd like to volunteer to be the permanent teacher for the middle school boys. All right. I don't mind being outside and sweating for just three hours on Sunday. Number four, the music was so great I didn't even mind that we sang the same song 12 times. And by the way, was that last song we did just off the chart. I heard that song this summer. I spoke in two different camps in Michigan and Texas and they used that song all week. I just love that song. I just love our music. Number three, since we're all here on time, let's start the service early. Now that would never be happening in this service. This service at 9 o'clock is sparsely populated. Everybody starts rolling in about the middle of the second song. It's always a debate in the green room. When should we start the countdown? And it's a five-minute countdown. And you know, there are some weeks we just don't bother to start it. (laughs) You know who you are. Number two, what you never hear in church, pastors, we'd like to send you to this Bible seminar in the Bahamas. Yeah! All right. Ashley's going nuts over this one. And so Sherry. And the number one thing that you'll never hear in church, it's my topic for today. God doesn't need your money. Hooray! God doesn't need your money. Now, here's the deal. God really doesn't need your money. He's God, just like in the pie you know, he. You know, if you didn't give any money to God last week, he was fine. He made it through the week. He's going to make it through this week, whether or not you give money. But as you study the Bible, money is a very, very important topic. And that's my job, is I want to introduce to you why I think it's such an important thing. You know, the Bible has about 500 verses total that deal with the subject of faith. Faith is very important. There are actually fewer than 500 verses that deal with prayer. Prayer is very important. It's mentioned 500 times. Do you know how many times money and possessions are mentioned in the Bible? Over 2,350 times. And I think that's very significant. In fact, one out of nine New Testament verses talks about money and possessions. And I think money is very important to God, and it ought to be uh, very important to us. It's important to us because, think about it, we have 168 hours every week. You know, uh, next week, next Sunday, you'll be here. Between now and then, there's 168 hours go by. But just add up in your own mind, how many hours of those 168 do you and I spend Earning money and spending money and saving money. It's one of the largest pieces of our time budget. And so it's a very important thing to God. And it's also very important in the New Testament where Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you can tell me you're committed to God, and I might be able to see it in your life. But if you let me see your checkbook, then I can really tell if you're committed to God. If you let me see your calendar, I can tell that you're committed to God. Because there are ways to give to God apart from money. We want to give God our time and we want to give God our talent as well as our treasure. But those things are very, very important to God. Where your treasure is, that reveals where your heart is. You know, if you're a person that has a, a hobby, I like the hobby guy. It reminded me of Eric. Got his dolphin shirt on, ready to go today. Are the dolphins still playing football? Ryan Tannehill, 6'6. Six, six. I love it. Florida State won yesterday. South Florida did not. I'm sorry. I really do try to root for South Florida except when they play Florida State, but they are so annoying to root for. I mean, not you can just tell Ronnie Daniels was going to have an interception and a, and a fumble before the game is over. I just I can't root for them anymore. They tear your heart out. The Gators, did they play yesterday? The Gators don't have football anymore, do they? No, they have a very good. I love their coach. And Miami beat somebody yesterday. <laughs> Who did they beat? North Carolina State didn't have to come from behind to do that, too. Hey, there's no such thing as an ugly win. I'm with you, buddy. That's Coach's perspective. Very good. So we had a great day, and hopefully we'll have a great day today with the Buccaneers, who once again are not on TV because not enough people treasure them and reflect their heart's attitude toward them. Let me talk to you, though, about, about giving in general, okay? Because there are some things that we want you to know that are important to the heart of God and will help you in your walk with the Lord. Some of you are new in your faith journey, and uh, money is a big part of your faith journey. Again, uh, the scripture says that if you're faithful in little things, God can entrust you with a lot of stuff. And so if you show yourself faithful in the handling of money, which is a very fleeting thing, uh, then God can trust you with other more important things. But if you don't get the money piece down, then it really becomes uh, a problem for God to to, to show you what other deep things of the faith that you can be entrusted with. By the way, the way we handle our money is an act of worship. That's the first thing I want you to get out of this. It's every bit as much an act of worship as when we pray or when we come to church or when we sing sing these great songs. The way we handle our money ought to be seen as an act of worship. And it's, again, very important in the Scriptures. 2,350 times... Money is mentioned in the scriptures. Now, here are some things we want to know about money. Number one, giving, as we give money away, always benefits the giver. Jesus himself said, in fact, that word himself is in the text. The Lord Jesus himself said, read this with me, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I've experienced that firsthand. I hope you get to do that too. Uh, when, when, when Gwen and I were in seminary 100 years ago, uh, we, we worked at a camp, and there was a widowed lady at the camp and She desperately needed a refrigerator and uh, she just She had a son who was a teenager, and we loved him, and he wasn 't getting to eat right because she couldn 't keep food in her apartment that the camp provided and We were just paycheck to paycheck, and we weren 't getting big paychecks but after praying about it, we decided, and I would really encourage you don 't give away money without getting together with your spouse. You need to be on the same page about this but we prayed about buying her a refrigerator. And so we did that anonymously. And it was the coolest thing because she was just blown out of the water. We got more joy for the four years we worked with that lady just listening to her talk about how God had provided for her refrigerator. And her son, who grew up to be a, actually a professional football player, was always amazed that God sent a refrigerator to hold the meat so he could eat. And that was the coolest thing. And to this day, when I think about it, my heart is glad. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, it's sometimes great to receive. Uh, I've had a crazy couple of three weeks. If you would pray for me on Tuesday, I'm having back surgery. Uh, Hopefully then I won't have to sit on this stool while I speak. My wife told me, please move back because all my friends are worried you're going to fall off. So I've moved the chair back this week. But on Tuesday morning, I'm having spine surgery. And uh, just please pray for that, that it goes well and the doctor has great skill and we get that taken care of. And then I can walk around here without the stool. I would really like that. Uh, But the other thing happened is two weeks ago I had to move my office. Well, my office, uh, I don't have a ton of stuff. I've got some books that I don't read and I've got some shelves of stuff that I need envelopes and, you know, what you have in an office. Uh, But what I don't have is a desk and the office I had been renting had a desk in it. And uh, before I was asked to move, the people that run that building are friends of mine. I said, "Would, would you think it would be okay if I took the desk with me? And on three different occasions, two different people said, I think taking the desk is no big deal. Now, came time to move. Some of you were there. Some of you guys helped me greatly. I, just, I, sat, I sat like a lump while everybody did the work. But I got into my new office, and I didn't have a desk. And that was because the day of the move, the, the landlord came in and said, sorry, can't have the desk. And, you know, I, for some reason, I just had a great peace about that. I really wanted the desk. It was a nice desk. I didn't really covet the desk, but at a point in time I said, you know, Lord, you know I need a desk. I need a desk to study so I can teach and do what I need to do and meet with people. But if that's not the desk for me, you'll have to provide me with a desk. So we moved on Wednesday, no desk. Unpacked on Thursday. Everything is unpacked. I got a chair that I sit in with no desk. If you go to my Facebook page, I'm sitting there at at my non-desk holding my Bible. Lo and behold, Friday, no desk. I'm thinking, okay, I guess I just need to go spend money to get the desk. I really, after praying about it, felt like I shouldn't spend money on a desk. You know, I could die on Tuesday and I wouldn't need the desk. Just kidding. But I didn't want to spend money on the desk. Saturday morning we're rummaging around in the office and my landlord shows up and basically says, uh, I see you don't have a desk. I got one over here with a matching credenza you can have. Now, it's not a great desk. It's a little bit old and a little bit tattered, but it's perfect for a fat old guy like me, and I'm sitting behind a great desk now. Now, sometimes it's great to receive, but Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Second thing about giving is this. God dares you to give. Did you know that? Especially in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about there's some differences in the Old Testament giving versus New Testament giving. But in Malachi, say Malachi, Or if you're Italian like me, you call him Malachi. Hey, Malachi. 3.10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. You know, sometimes when you really are struggling financially and you have a need and I've learned this over the years, one of the things to do, like when we bought that lady the refrigerator, is give some money away. There have been a lot of times in our marriage when things would get tight. Summers are always bad. You know, when you have to raise support, uh, people go away in the summer and they forget to send checks. So August, September are always terrible months for our ministry. They're usually pretty slow months around churches. And, uh, and there would be times when I'd just things would get really slow. And we'd ask the Lord to help. We'd ask the Lord to send support. Uh, But, you know, a lot of times we just say, let's take some of our money that we're using to give and give it away. And I can't tell you how many times God just showed up in a big way. We'd get a check that I had no idea was coming from somebody that had no business giving it to us. And I don't understand how all that works. I just know God's in control of all the money. You know, if he's concerned about 2,350 verses, he owns all the money. Psalm 24 says... The earth is the Lord's. Everything under heaven belongs to him. If he, be- if he owns all the money, he knows what I need. In fact, Paul says, my God shall supply all your needs. But as a man, I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. I want to determine how much I'm going to earn and how much I'm going to spend and how much I'm going to do this. And the Lord said, hey, let me be in charge. In fact, put me to the test. It's okay. It's fun to live that way. See, here's the deal. God has designed you and me to live by faith. That's how we're designed. And everybody does live in faith in something. It might be faith in your job or faith in your kids or faith in your marriage or faith in your church. But God has designed us to live by faith. Now, he wants the faith to be in him. And it's so fun to understand that because here's the deal with God. He loves you enough that if you're not living by faith, he'll arrange for that to happen. And I would much rather trust God with my money than I would have to trust him with a lot of other things that people deal with. I'm thankful I don't have to trust God with a critical illness. I'm thankful that my kids are in great shape. I'm thankful that my grandchildren are good. The important things in my life are in great shape. And I think that's part of the result of trusting God with the money. I've learned to trust him. Paul says, I've trusted him with a lot, and I've trusted him with a little. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, and that strengthens me. That's a money verse. That's Timmy Tebow, who's a sweetheart, doesn't use that verse right. That's a money verse. Paul says, I've learned to trust God when I have a little, and I've learned to trust God when I have a lot. I can do all things through Christ. Whether I have a little or a lot, I can trust God because God wants me to put my faith in him with this area. Third, in the New Testament, this is really followed up in Philippians 4, Paul says, I don't say this, because I want a gift from you. Paul's saying to the Philippians, hey get a gift ready because when I get there I want to take it to the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was being persecuted, there was also a famine in Jerusalem and so Paul says to the Philippians, I want you to get the gift ready. I don't say this because I want a gift from you, rather I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. When you give and you have a biblical attitude toward it, you get rewarded for that. Sometimes it's just a pleasant warm fuzzy feeling Sometimes God does open the storehouses of heaven and and you have an abundance that you didn't have before. And I I, I don't understand this. I just know that it is true. And I don't understand why some people are good givers and other people are not. But I want you to understand God wants you to be a good giver. You know, there are people that we spend hours with that don't support our ministry in any way. And you know, that's okay. As long as they're generous with other ministries, I can live with that. There are people that come to church and don't give anything to church. And that's okay. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. But we do want you to un- enjoy the, the incredible act of worship that giving generates in us. So there is a New Testament model that I'd like to take you to. If you have a Bible, go to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 2 because there are some, there's some areas that I want you to make sure you know about giving. First, where should I give? First is family. In 1 Timothy 5, Paul says, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. And a part of my giving needs to be toward my... If I have somebody in my family, particularly an orphan, particularly a widow, those are big deals in the New Testament. If I have somebody in my family that has a need... Now, they've got to be willing to work if they can work, they've got to be willing to be diligent if they can be diligent, they may be willing to give in other areas, maybe they have time to give or talent to give to the Lord you know, you can't just keep feeding somebody who's a sluggard and you don't encourage them to grow but if there's someone in your family that has a legitimate need and you don't meet that need, Paul says you're worse than an unbeliever there are people in my family that I help financially on a regular basis for all sorts of reasons it's a biblical thing to do We also are to give to Christian work and Christian workers. Paul says the elders who who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. See, I believe we really need to pay our pastors well. I believe that the pastor's salary ought to be the average salary of the whole congregation so that the pastors ought to be able to live at the standard of the rest of the congregation. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, that's my opinion, but we do know that those who are in ministry deserve to get paid. Now, I don't have any verses that say any individual ought to pay, give any money to a church, and that's why we don't need your money. But there are some great things that go on at TBA that we want you to be a part of so you can enjoy it. We, we want to really minister to the community when we do the Halloween party. How many were at the Halloween party last year? How many people showed up at that? Don wasn't it 2,000 people? I mean, they were. Com- we had people on top of people. we were parking over in St. Stephen's parking lot. It costs a lot of money to put that together. Now it's not about the money; it's about the ministry. And boy, what a joy it is to say, "Hey, I've helped that to happen." You know, we have to raise five or six thousand dollars to put that thing together. And God's going to do that whether or not you help. But if you help, you'll be rewarded at that. If there's a ministry that blesses your life, you ought to pray about whether or not you ought to help that ministry because it's never just one thing. There is not usually a situation where I come to Christ in a ministry and I stay there until I die and they're the only thing that ministers to me. Sometimes that happens, but most of the time we call it a matrix of ministry. Maybe like I came to Christ through Campus Crusade and then I was involved with InterVarsity for a while and then I I went to seminary and, and I got a lot of ministry done through there. And then I was with an organization called Walk Through the Bible, and I've worked around different churches and been on Sunday school staffs. And, you know, over time, God has used different things, different seminar ministries in my life to grow me up. And so those are the things I ought to pray about. Does God want me to help with that? Always in a generous way. And then lastly, I should give to the poor. You know, James says... If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, and be filled, and yet you do not give to them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? There will always be poor among us, but we should, as a church, take an initiative initiative to minister to the poor. But as as an individual person, it's great to minister to the poor. And this just is so fun to do. When when I'm in a restaurant and I notice a little old lady or a little old man and they're by themselves and they're eating, I'm often nudged by the Holy Spirit. Are you? And the Holy Spirit says, hey, meathead, pay for their meal. It's so fun to do that. I I was at Jimmy John's a few weeks ago and there was a guy with a suitcase. I said, just get into town. He said, yep, yep. I said, Are you heading out? He said, no, I, I just found out I'm homeless. And I'd just been in a place in Winter Haven, and the whole thing fell through, and he was homeless. We have the highest percentage of homeless people in the state of Florida, in Lakeland. Did you know that? And we do a wonderful job with them. But God led him across my path, and we had a great conversation, and the guy knew the Lord, and at the end of the conversation, I just felt nudged by the Holy Spirit. I wanted to buy his lunch, and I wanted to give him a little spare change. Gosh, that is so fun. That is so... Now, sometimes I get burned. You know, when I was in college, I had this happen. I had a guy come up and said, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran, and I'm trying to get home to my wife, and i got to raise $48 for the bus. $48 when I was in college was a lot of money. He said, and I only have $22. I'm I'm short $26. And come on up to my dorm room. And I gave him every last nickel I had. Man, I felt so good until about two weeks later, and One of my fraternity brothers had the same guy hit him up for $26. But you know that's okay. I'd rather err on the side of generosity. and I think that's just pleasing to the heart of God. Now, in the New Testament, we have very specific ideas about giving. Let me give you those, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Number one, giving is to be plentiful. Say that. Giving is to be plentiful. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, Now this I say, he who... Sows sparingly, will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. We want you to reap bountifully. We want God to bless you in a material way as well as a spiritual way. And the way to do that is sow bountifully. Make sure that you're good at this. How much are you going to give? Be generous about it. But also, number two, giving is to be personal. Each one should do just as he has purposed in his heart. Same passage. See, I believe everybody ought to be involved in giving, from cradle to grave. Parents, you need to be teaching your kids to give. You know, you can use the box method. A lot of people I know have three boxes for their children. There's a, there's a saving box and a spending box and a giving box. And it's so fun to watch a young person. So I'm going to take money out of my giving box and give it away. When, when our kids were young, we used to go downtown, to Lake, downtown Lakeland, and my, my, <laughs> my wife would put together socks, with the kids. They'd go take their nickels and they'd buy socks. Because people that are homeless often have dirty or wet socks. And she would take the, you know, those were back in the days of tube socks, when all the kids wore them because they were cool. And they'd fill the socks with toiletry items. And then my kids would wander around down near Munn Park and they'd hand them out. We called them bum socks. Now, that's probably not politically correct, but that's what they were called. It was so fun for my kids to be involved in, in giving. And to this day, they're all great givers. Third: giving should be planned. Each one must do as he has planned in his heart. See, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm going to wait till December 31st, and then I'm going to write a big check because it's tax-deductible." I don't think God minds if you give something because it's tax-deductible. But I know this: that people in ministry would much rather have a monthly contribution uh, than something at the end of the year. It really helps budgets. In fact, this year we're putting together a thing we're calling Foundation Friends. We're, we're in need of some people who will come alongside of us and just do something monthly for us. If it's $5 or $50 or $500, you know we, we could use about 40 or 50 of those people to come alongside and be our Foundation Friends. That's going to be our year-end uh, challenge to people that, that we're in contact with. The church has an ongoing budget. They put the numbers up every week, and it's really helpful to see how we're doing and how we're not doing. But there's a lot we could do with more money around here. But again, God's in control of all the money, and God's in control of you, and we trust God with that. We just want you to enjoy the process. Next, giving should be positive. This is my favorite verse on giving. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. Read this, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what the word cheerful is? It's the Greek word hilarious. God loves ah, a ha, 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 giver. Think about that. You know, when you walk by the offering boxes on the way out here, just imagine that when you put your envelope in there, if you're led to do that, you go, ah, ha, 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 you would be a hilarious giver. Just imagine in a traditional church if the offering plate came by and everybody that took the plate and went, ah, ha, ha, just right down the road. That would be so cool. That's what God loves. You know, then the Bible says there are two things that God hates and two things that God loves. You know, he hates selfishness, and he hates murmuring. And I'm really good at both of those. You know, murmur, 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 murmur. I can tell you what's wrong in any situation. Don't take it personally. I'm just, it's it's my gift. (laughs) And God, I think, hates it. God loves generosity, and God loves a cheerful giver. And I want, to, I want to be what God loves. Because giving reflects the heart of God. You know, Jan, John, uh, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he what? Gave, his only begotten son. God looks at us and says, you have a big need. You can't get to heaven without a, without a substitute. So God gives to us in the person of Christ that substitute. God does it out of love. God does it in a wonderful, kind manner. And then lastly, remember how much God has given us. You know, in Ephesians 5, there's a verse that says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we don't want you to give anything in those boxes. We just want to give you the gift of forgiveness that comes in Christ. It all starts there. And our walk with Christ ought to reflect God's giving that great gift to us. So I'd like you to bow and close your eyes, and as the band comes, think about these things. Remember, your giving should be plentiful. There's no amount in the New Testament. Tithing is not commanded in the New Testament. If that's where you are, that's great. You can can do less. I'd encourage you to do more. Giving should be personal. Each and every one of us ought to be able to give something back to God. Giving should be planned. We ought to set out a a goal of saying, this is what I'm going to do each month or each week. And then it needs to be positive. Do you give with a cheerful heart? God loves a cheerful giver. Father, thank you that you, beyond all measure, showed your love by giving to us, your son Jesus, who came to earth and died in our place on the cross, that in him we have the most incredible gifts of all, the gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. And I pray as people, we will be known as people who love you and reflect that by our giving so that you can be honored in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name.